So, we are nearing the end of our series. We passed last week was like the halfway point, right? Uh, we're talking about rebranding the church. What should the church be about? Uh, and so, if you remember, we've been asking questions each week, right? We ask things like, why do we exist, right? That was the very first one, and we've kind of continued from that. What are we for, right? Last week, what unites us? And so, this week, we're asking the question, are we producing fruit? Now, I ask this question because I know that uh, many of us are familiar with what we would call false gospels, right? Things that kind of sound right, but just aren't quite it, right? Now, most of us, when we think of false gospels, what we think of is uh, the prosperity gospel, right? The fact that God wants all of us to be rich. Man, do I wish that were true, right? Imagine how much good we could do if all people who followed God were rich, right? Or at least if we were generous with it, right? So most of us think of that, but there are a lot of things that we think are in the gospel that really are not. And so one of the things that has come up actually quite frequently um, with some different books I've been reading and classes I've been in, uh, one thing that has come up is the gospel of niceness. Right? It's this idea that Jesus has asked all of us as Christians to be nice. Now, how we define nice probably makes a difference in that. But generally speaking, when we talk about being nice, what we talk about is avoiding all conflict at all costs. Right? That Jesus, we have this idea that Jesus was nice to all people. Now, I don't know about you. I read my Gospels, and I don't find that Jesus in the Gospels. Now, Jesus was kind which is very different than being nice. But Jesus never avoided conflict. In fact, Jesus said some pretty controversial things. Right At one point, uh, a man says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go and bury my parents first. And he says, well, too bad. Right? And most of us are going, wait a minute. That is not the Jesus that I've heard about. Right? Jesus is, he works with us and he gives us time and there's grace upon grace upon grace. The thing is, Jesus was also somebody who was very good at balancing relationship with purpose. Because Jesus, yes, desires relationship with each of us, but there is also purpose in our relationship. There is purpose that Jesus was sent to do. And he, uh, Diane and I have been meeting on Thursdays, and we talked about this. Jesus balances this perfectly, right? This idea of relationships and purpose, which takes priority. Jesus does this perfect balance of both. And what we find in today's scripture, and the reason we're asking this question, is because we've talked some about how we relate to other people. The way I would word the last three weeks is our posture toward people, right? When we ask what are we for and what unites us, we're not saying that there are things that won't tear us apart, that we're not saying there aren't things that we aren't against. What we're saying is that our posture toward people matters, that how we approach other people matters. So now we're kind of transitioning and turning a corner into the purposes of Jesus, because each of us has a purpose in our relationship with Jesus. And honestly, I sat in on the, the Sunday school class in the Sanctuary Life Center here this morning, and we talked about this exact thing in the book of Isaiah, right? The idea that God does not call us to just set us up on a pedestal and to say all is great, right? God calls us as servants. And so Jesus, he words it this way in verse 5 of John 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
So the first truth that we find in here is not very difficult, right? And, and we're going to get to the difficult ones in a minute. But the first truth in verse 5 is very simple, that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, right? And in order for the branches to grow or produce anything good at all, they have to still be connected to the vine, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I am not a green thumb by any stretch of the imagination, right? But I know that if I go to my tree and I cut off a branch, it is not going to live, right? It's, that's pretty simple. So for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, he says, look, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you want to produce good, if you want to see fruit, you have to remain in me, right? There's no other stipulations here. He doesn't say you have to do A, B, C, D, E. He says, all you have to do to produce fruit is to remain in me. Now, that sounds easy. It sounds simple. It sounds straightforward. But as many of us know, it's never that easy, is it? Right? When Jesus says, just remain in me, right? In other words, make Jesus the only priority. Not the top priority, the only priority. Right? There are days where I find that very simple. And there are other days, whew, life happens, right? Stuff gets in the way. My own, honestly, a lot of times, my own desires are what takes front and center. And what Jesus wants, and, and keeping tight with Jesus, takes second stage. So he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now that sounds like the gospel of niceness, right? We just got to love Jesus, and Jesus is going to love us. Life's going to be great. Except then you kind of have to back up in verse 1 through 4. Because he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Uh-oh, it's not just vines and branches anymore. There's a gardener now. Right? There's a gardener, and the gardener, he says, cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, this is where the hard truth comes in. This is where the, the nice Jesus kind of loses its muster here, right? Because, because in this scripture, Jesus says very clearly, if you aren't producing fruit, you will be cut off. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now, often what we do is we, we, we try to rationale out of this, right? We're like, well, maybe he's going to give me like a 45th chance to get it right, right? And praise God, because we do get like a million and five chances in our lives to set things right. But there comes a point, right? And especially when he's talking about his disciples, right? He says, look, at some point, you got to get it, <laughs> At some point, you've got to understand this. At some point, you have to produce fruit, right? Now, there's a lot of ways that we define fruit as disciples of Jesus. One of the ways was shared this morning during our children's message from Galatians, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Any of my people out there do that from memory because of the song we sang as kids? Anybody else? Nobody? A little bit, yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> That one's on the same par as my Making Melody song a few weeks ago, so I'll save that one for another children's message. So he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. So in other words, if we're following Jesus, there should be signs of progress in our lives, right? Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to lead somebody to Jesus every second of your life, right? Because there's, there's inward fruit, 
right? And, and if we go back to our, our three things, that the reasons we exist, right? Upward, inward, outward. All three should be producing fruit. There should be fruit that comes from looking upward, right? More and more looking upward. There should be fruit inward, right? Our lives should look different because we follow Jesus. And then our fruit outward, who are we reaching? So there's different sorts of fruit, but it doesn't matter what fruit you're trying to produce. He says, if you're not producing any, you will be cut off. So we talk about this often in the, in the relationship to who we are as disciples and as followers of Jesus, but we have to ask the question this morning of whole church, right? Are we, as a church, as the body of Christ, are we producing fruit? And we shared the statistics a couple weeks ago of how many churches are closing every week, right? It's a ton. But there's a part of me that thinks to this scripture, and I think, you know, if a church is not producing fruit, should it still exist? Right? These are questions that are hard to ask. Because church oftentimes is about more than just remaining in Jesus. Right? We have relationships. We have, more often than not, a history with our church. Right? There are pieces of the church we don't want to lose. And yet we have to ask this question, are we producing fruit? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and I get to the pearly gates, right? Because that's how we always picture it. It's the pearly gates, and for some reason, Peter always meets us there, right? So we get to the pearly gates. I don't want it to be the question, have you produced fruit? And not be able to pinpoint whether or not I've produced fruit, right? And so I wonder this morning, as we talk about producing fruit, if we have to struggle to find the answer, we should be worried. That, that for me, is the, is the measurement. If, if I have to think long and hard about whether or not my church is producing fruit, I already know the answer. I just don't want to admit it. And I'm not talking about, like, constant growth, explosive thing, where, like, next week, suddenly we have 3,000 people, right? That's not the growth that I'm talking about. Because there's a lot of fruit that we should be bearing as a church that is even more important than how many people show up on a Sunday. Because you can ask any pastor, and they will tell you it does not matter in the slightest how many people show up on Sunday morning. Because you have churches of 3,000 that have maybe 30 to 50 quality, actually doing, following Jesus in their lives people. And you can have the reverse too. You can have a church of 50 that doesn't have a single one, right? Who shows up on Sunday says very little about the condition of a church. What does show conditions of a church is the things that we're doing to show fruit. Fruit such as how many people have we sent into ministry this year? How many people have, have, have accepted a call into missionary work? How, how many of our people have taken their next step Right? Because I don't know if you guys know this. We're going to get into this in the spring. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm all about discipleship, right? Every single one of you who are hearing my voice this morning, you have a next step that you need to take with Jesus. Now, some of your next steps are really scary. <laughs> some of your next steps are very simple. You just haven't taken it yet. But every single one of us has a next step. So I'm looking at how many people are taking their next step with Jesus. That's fruit. Some, sometimes it's how many people are taking their first step toward Jesus, right? There's a lot of things that we measure. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that oftentimes we measure the wrong things because depth is harder to measure than a cross, 
But we have to ask, are we producing fruit? Because I don't want us to get to the end of the day and, and Jesus is like, well, you didn't produce anything. Because he's very clear, I'm going to cut off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. And then what I really love, this is my favorite part, he goes on because he says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, right? Before we go on, let's just focus on this for a second. Even the ones that bear fruit, right? And this is why I love this, okay? Because most of us, it's either we're bearing fruit or we're not, right? So, so what we do is we say, well, we did this, this, and this this year, so that's some fruit, so that's going to save us, right? But we think that if we, as long as we produce fruit, God's going to leave us alone. <laughs> and yet, he says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So whether you do what is right or whether, whether you produce fruit or not, the gardener is intimately involved in what we do. The gardener is constantly looking for more fruit. So there are branches, he says, that aren't going to ever produce fruit. So he just cuts it off. He's like, oh, let's just do away with it. But then there are other branches, he says, you know, if I just prune here or here or here, if we just, if we just cut this piece here, we can produce even more fruit. Those, I would think, are more common questions to be asking in churches than, than the first, which is, do we need to be shut down, right? Do we need to be cut off? Will God cut us off? The more common question is, where does God need to prune us? And I always think, when I read this scripture, I always think of my friend who grew up in upstate New York, and when he was in college, he would come home to visit his home church, and uh, he said there was, there was a, one guy in his home church that was like the catalyst for staying exactly the same, right? This guy complained about any change you will have ever proposed. So he said one summer he came home from college and they had a new pastor fresh out of seminary. You know how those guys are. <laughs> had a new pastor fresh out of seminary and so the pastor changed the bulletin on the first Sunday that he was home, okay? He thought it was a great idea. My friend thought it was a great idea. And it was really good. So week two, same new bulletin. Like, okay, we're getting somewhere. And then week three, the bulletin went back to the way it was. So he asked his mom, Mom, I like that the way, new way we were doing the bulletin. Why did the bulletin go back? And her answer was very simple. Well, such and such was not here the first week. And they were here the second week. So now it's back to the way it was. <laughs> right? It didn't matter what the change was. It was bad. All change was bad. And this guy, who held a lot of influence, pushed everything back down. The crazy part of this story is that six months later, that man died. And that church experienced revival for 10 years afterwards. 10 years. And so when we talk about pruning, I'm not suggesting that any of you should die. Okay, please don't do that. Right? <laughs> But the point in this story, in sharing this story, was very simple. It's that sometimes our own desires are, are getting in the way of the progress that Jesus needs to make, the fruit that needs to be had. Because I don't know about you, I would love revival for 10 years, right? I would love that. <laughs> Sign me up for that any day, right? But unfortunately, what it takes a lot of times is hard decisions being made, right? Pruning places, because pruning, at the end of the day, is still cutting, right? You're still cutting something. Those are very difficult conversations. And yet Jesus says, look, 
I'm not interested in the niceness here. <laughs> what I'm interested in is producing fruit. I'm interested in making disciples, right? And so, so we're faced with this question. Because in verse 6, he goes even further. He says, if you don't remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I don't know about you, that doesn't sound nice to me. <laughs> but what it does sound like is a Jesus who knows his purpose. A Jesus who knows what he set out to accomplish. A God who loves people so much he's not willing to sacrifice when it comes to his church. Right? How often do we sacrifice in the name of niceness? We, have, we may not have produced fruit in 10 or 20 years, but because we have to be nice and we can't have hard conversations, we can't produce fruit. And yet Jesus says, look, if you're not producing fruit, you're going to get cut off. And how do we produce fruit? Remain in me. Remain in me. So this to me, and this is where I, I want to wrap up. This to me is the scariest part of this whole passage, right? I'm not afraid of, of don't get me wrong, I am afraid of being, being seen without fruit, right? To, be, to, be, to, to get to the end of my life and say, well, I didn't upset anybody, God. I, I did my job. And he goes, well, that's not what I asked, right? I'm afraid of that. But more than anything else, what I'm afraid of is this. If, if that's the case, if I haven't produced any fruit, do you know what that means? It means I haven't remained in Jesus, it means I haven't kept up with my relationship with Jesus. Because he says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, right? Not a little fruit, much fruit. You will bear much fruit. And so if, if, if I'm not producing fruit, there's a deeper problem than just the fact that we don't have fruit. The deeper problem is I have not stayed focused on Jesus. I've been distracted. I've let other other things have a say where Jesus should have had the only say. And so when we ask, are we producing fruit? The root of that question really is, have we remained in Jesus? Is our focus still on Jesus? That ought to sound like a familiar question to you because I feel like I'm asking it every Sunday. <laughs> Because this is the root of every other need that we have, every question that we have, every move we make as a church. Are we remaining in Jesus? Because if we are, it says we will bear much fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So church, I'm asking these questions because these are the hard questions, right? These are the questions we often neglect to ask because we're afraid of the answer. We're afraid of the places we need to be pruned. Ultimately, we're afraid that maybe we're the branch that needs cut off. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, I told somebody this week, I'm the eternal optimist, right? I, I'm always on the optimistic side, right? So you know exactly what I'm going to say next. We can do it, right? Because that's the optimist in me, right? We can do it. We, we, may, we might need some pruning, right? And there will be places where we're going to have to sacrifice so that we can get to where we need to be with Jesus. But if we remain in Jesus, right, that's it. That's all I'm asking, really, of all of you this morning, that if you get nothing else out of this message, if you get nothing else about why we need to bear fruit, how we bear fruit, I want you to get this. 
It will happen organically if we just stay connected to the vine. All I need for you to do is to be able to put ourselves aside, our own, our own histories aside, our own, our own selfish desires. I, all I'm asking is that you remain in Jesus. And if we can have conversations as a group of people, as a church, who is remaining in Jesus, oh man, I can't imagine what will come out of those conversations, what will come out of those interactions with the Lord. But we have to remain in Jesus. Let me pray. God, you are so good to us. And yet, Lord, we know and understand this analogy of being pruned or being cut. Because, God, as much as you love us, we know that you love so many who are still lost. And you have called us to be your servants not just to sit in your presence, God, but to openly invite and bring in more. Because the more we are in your presence and the more that join us, God, the more your glory is shown throughout the earth. So God, we come this morning as your servants and we humbly ask, God, that you would help us to bear fruit. Lord, that if we are a place this is on the edge of being cut off. Lord, we pray for another chance. And Lord, if we're at a place where we need to be pruned, God, we pray that you would make those places obvious. That you would bring a unity among us as we focus on you. And Lord, above all else, we pray that we would have the strength and the power to put aside ourselves, to put aside the distractions, to put aside anything that would draw us away from you so that our branch would be connected fully to your vine. God, we seek to remain in you this week. So help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?